are you this morning? Man, it's so good to see you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Mike and I serve on the team here. And what a gift it is to have you be a part of the story that God is writing here at Active Church. I would invite you to come by Guest Central if this is your first Sunday with us. Our team would love to meet you and give you a free gift. And if you have time, we'd love to see you at First Step right after this service. I, I got so many text messages and direct messages after last Sunday. I know you were thinking you got text messages and direct messages after yesterday when Otani left the Angels and signed with the Dodgers, but um, I'm, I'm not in a, a healthy place to talk about that yet, and so, and I don't know if I ever will be, but I do want to talk about what happened last week with 49 lives changed right in front of our faces. How beautiful was that? And the common question that we received as a team last week was, so what the heck is happening at church? And what happens is God is up to something. And when God is faithful and we're faithful to follow, beautiful, miraculous things happen. And so what we saw last week was just a culmination of the work of God and the work of God in you and through you. So thank you for being courageous and inviting someone. Thank you for being confident in what it is that you believe. And thank you for sharing the story of Jesus with those around you. And thank you to those that made the decision to go public with their faith because that is a game changer for you. That's a life-changing moment for you. It's you announcing that there is a good God who has been good to you, who sent Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to set you free and that he died on a cross and rose from the grave. And we, we celebrate those things. And, and one of the best moments that I had last week was talking to one of you and we were just talking about this place. And it was, so, it was so fun to hear the energy and the excitement and the thrill behind the voice of that one particular person, but also from each of you that I spoke to. We really love this place and we really love you and we really love what Jesus is doing here. And so I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful to you. And I'm so grateful that God has decided that we get to be a place where life change happens and where God is up to some miraculous work. There's a, there's a great letter in, in the Bible called Acts and Luke wrote that letter. And he said in one particular moment in that letter, he said that so many people were choosing to follow Jesus that they were forcing their way in. Didn't last week feel like they were forcing their way in? Like it was such a beautiful moment last week. So thank you for investing, thank you for inviting, and thank you for telling a better story. When we talk about Christmas Eve, real quick, I want to I encourage you, those of you that are a part of this service, if you're inviting someone, would you consider coming to the two o'clock and the four o'clock? Because as you've noticed, we are really, really spread out, really growing in this service and in our next service. And so we can guarantee that there'll be space at the two and at the four. And so if you don't mind shifting to the two and four on Christmas Eve, we would appreciate it. It'll help us to make room for those guests that will probably show up at the nine or the 1045. So something to consider. If you don't do that, you're still going to heaven. Jesus still loves you. Just want you to know that. But if you, if you can do that, uh, I will love you forever. And I would, I would appreciate that. Hey, I want to pray some words over us and then we'll dive into the story of God together. And so Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to see you work and see you move and see you change lives. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. And I pray that today that work would continue in our hearts and in our minds, that we would be men and women, young and old, that would see you, hear from you, and be challenged by you. Wherever we find ourselves, whether we're new to this or we've been doing this a long time, God, would you meet us in this place? 
And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen and amen. I read on uh, Psychology Today that you and I make 35,000 decisions every single day. Now, if you're a mom, it's like 90,000 decisions, right? Because you're making decisions for those in your family, maybe your husband or significant other and all of your kids, right? But on a typical day for us on our own, we're making about 35,000 decisions every single day. That's 2,000, around 2,000 decisions every single hour. And that's one decision every two seconds. You're, you're deciding right now what you're going to do. You've decided to pay attention. Thank you. I appreciate that. Some of you have decided to scroll on social media right now. And now you've stopped scrolling on social media because I called you out. I, I get it. I get it. But we make, we make 35,000 decisions every single day. And some of those decisions are simple. Some of those decisions are easy. Some of those decisions are clear. And, and then there are those decisions that are really hard. The ones that we feel and not just feel in our own heart and in our own mind, but the decisions that we make that we know are going to impact others and we feel their emotion too. Decision-making is hard. And then there are those decisions that go beyond hard. They're just difficult. And, and, and maybe for you and I, we have moments where we aren't sure what to do. We have to make a decision. We know that a decision needs to be made and we know that everybody's looking at us and looking to us and looking for us to decide because we're the leader, we're the dad, we're the mom, we're the patriarch, the matriarch, we're the one in charge, right? And everybody's looking at us and we have to make a decision and we're just not sure what decision we're supposed to make because we want to make a good decision. We want it to impact people in a really positive way, in a really healthy way, in a really holy way, but we're, we're just not sure what to do. So I want to start with just a question for you to consider. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you find yourself in that decision-making process and you're just not sure? Do you freeze? This is no judgment. I think a lot of us freeze. I think a lot of us feel the weight of the decision that we're about to make and we don't want to make that decision. We're hoping somebody steps in. We're hoping Jesus comes back. We're hoping something happens, right? because we don't want to make that decision. We know it's a hard, a heavy decision and we're not sure what to do, but we know a decision needs to be made and maybe for you, you freeze. Do you avoid it? Do you put it off? Like, I, I just can't think about that right now. That's me. There are moments in my story and in my life and in my journey where I, ju I, just, can't, I just can't think about that. I can't consider that right now. Otani's a dodger, it's weird. I can't think about anything else, right? Like I, I have moments in my life and maybe you do as well. We're just like, I, 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 can't even, I can't even process that in my mind. Or, or do, you, do you look for help? Do you talk to those around you that have displayed great wisdom, great integrity, and great character? And do you, do you ask for help? You and I, we make 35,000 decisions every single day. And those decisions are hard. And those decisions can be heavy. And here's the thing I've learned about the decisions in my life is they're, they're not always just decisions between what's good and what's bad, but I think the most difficult decisions are the decisions that are between what's good and what's good. And I think for a lot of us, we feel stuck there. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you aren't sure what to do? What do you do when you're stuck? Can we, can we talk about that 
today. This is uh, week three of a series that we're calling Common Bright. And we're talking about how you and I can find peace right in the middle of personal conflict and relational conflict and mental conflict and all sorts of conflict, even conflict that we feel between us and between God. And what's beautiful about this story of peace is that it's not something that we can attain. It's not something that we can create. It's a gift from God. And what we learned in week one is that the Christmas story is about that gift of peace in the middle of conflict because the Prince of Peace, Jesus, shows up and that gift is available to you and it's available to me right in the middle of conflict. It doesn't solve all of the problems. It doesn't make all the problems go away. It just gives us the strength to say yes to the next right thing. And we discovered that in week one, that that's who Jesus is and that's what Jesus does. And then last week, we talked about how you and I can live with peace. And we looked at the life and the story of Mary. And we saw that peace is found in surrender. That's not about picking things up, but it's actually about letting things go. Today, I want to talk about how we can find peace for our mind and in our mind, but specifically in our decision making. And we need peace, don't we? We need peace for that next right decision and whatever it is that we're deciding to do. And it's important because the decisions that you make determine the direction that you go. And, and, and here's the thing that I've always been surprised at in my own life and been surprised at in the lives of those that I love and that I'm learning to love, is that there are moments in our stories where we are shocked that we've arrived at a certain place in life, especially when it's not good, especially when it's not healthy or holy, especially when it's not godly. We're shocked. We're like, how did we get here? Well, you know how you got there? You decided to go in that direction. You made that decision. And we may not have intended to make that decision that led us there, but we decided long before that decision to move in that direction. And so it's honest as I can be with you and as honest as I can be with me, like we shouldn't be surprised at where we're at currently because we decided to arrive at that place. We made that decision and our decisions determine the direction that we go. So I guess I would want you to consider this morning a second question. Where are you headed based upon your decision-making? Where are you headed in your relationship, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your work, in your service, in your generosity? Where are you headed based upon the decisions that you're making? And here's the thing, the answers are right in front of you because you made those decisions to get to where you are today. Where are you headed? Does it honor God? Do you hope to honor God? Is it inspired by Jesus? Is it submitting and obeying the words of Jesus? Maybe that's why you're stuck and maybe that's why you're not sure what to do. Because you, you maybe know that this isn't going to be the best thing for you or the best thing for them or even the best thing for your relationship with Almighty God. And so you're not sure what to do. You feel stuck. And I wanna help you get unstuck today. And we're gonna get unstuck by looking at the story of a man named Joseph. Joseph is a well-known man in the Christmas story. He's the father of Jesus. He's the husband of Mary. And Joseph is mentioned just briefly twice in the New Testament. And the first time that we get introduced to him is when the Christmas story is being told. And I want to invite you to read along with me and, and see it with your own eyes. So if you have a Bible with you, or if you have access to the Bible app today, I want to invite you to turn to the letter that Matthew writes. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, is where 
we're going to begin. And if you don't have the Bible with you or have access to the Bible app, that's okay. We'll have the verses on the screen for you as well. But Joseph, Joseph made a decision in a moment where he didn't know what to do. And I want to show you what he did to arrive at a really healthy, a really holy, really hard decision. And perhaps we can adopt that and apply that in our own relationship with God and with others today. Because this decision led to peace. So here's what Matthew writes as he introduces us to Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, he says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 reads this way, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Dads, could I, could I speak to you for a moment? Do you remember when you found out you were going to be a father? Do you remember that moment when your significant other, your wife or your spouse or whoever it was, they said to you that I'm, that I'm pregnant and, and you're the dad? Maybe for some of you it was a shock. Maybe for others of you it was a plan. I remember when I first found out that I was going to be a dad and we were going to have a daughter. It was the first daughter in our family in over a hundred years. We just produced boys, but then Mike and Tiff came along and said, uh-uh. And we, we were able to have a, a baby girl, which we were excited about. I love being a girl dad. I remember that day specifically because Tiff wasn't feeling good and, and, and went to the doctor to have a blood test because we wanted to test some things. And we thought maybe she was pregnant, but we weren't sure. The, the at-home tests were inconclusive. And so I got home early from work. I was working here as the youth pastor. This is early 2000s, like 2001, 2002, actually. And I came home and it was pouring rain. And when I walked into the house, my wife was on the phone. And so I asked her, I said, hey, have you gotten the results yet? And she shook her head, no. And I said, okay. I'm gonna go outside and I'm gonna rescue the trash cans because it had been raining all day. And you know, if you live in this area that all of our roads become rivers and just move things out of the way, right? And so we lived in Calamasa at the time and we were on Avenue L and it was just a river of water. And so I had to go out and rescue the trash cans. They were halfway down the road. And so I went out there and stomped into the water and grabbed it, brought them back. I felt like an Iron Man. It was, it was a beautiful moment and put them on our, our grass. And then I walked back into the house and I'm just dripping being soaking wet because it was raining so hard. And when I came back into the house, it was about a 15 minute process, came back into the house and I, I looked at my wife again and I said, hey, did you get any results? And she nods at me. And so I was like, is that a yes that you got results or is that a yes that we're pregnant? What's the yes for, right? And so she pulls the phone away and she goes, yes, and I'm pregnant. And I remember dripping wet, just throwing my hands up in the air and feeling like we've accomplished and achieved something so incredible. Later on, we went down and had an ultrasound and we found out that we were having a girl. I called my dad on the way home to tell him that he was gonna be a grandfather of a baby girl. And his words, this is a direct quote, he said, shut up and go back and get retested again. Because Frisch, Frisch's do not have girls, we have boys. And he wanted to make sure that if this really was happening, that we were actually confident. So we went and did the, the 4D picture and we found out that we were having a girl and we were grateful for Abby. Then we had Gavin, then we had Riley. So we beat it twice in, in the Frisch family, which was super exciting. I share that story with you because that story is fun. That story is interesting. That story stirs me up emotionally. It's a story that made me a girl dad. That was not how Joseph found out that he was gonna be an earthly father. 
The story of Joseph was very different because Joseph found Mary to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's what he was told. Can you imagine what he thought? Sure. What's his name? Is that his Instagram handle, the Holy Spirit? Is that who that is, right? <laughs> Where have you been? I thought you loved me. Why did you do this to me? I mean, I'm sure that he had all of the thoughts that you and I would have, right? I'm sure he felt betrayed. I'm sure he felt conflicted. I'm sure he had all sorts of decisions that he wanted to make, all sorts of conversations that he wanted to have, especially with Mary. I'm sure he was embarrassed. I'm sure he was struggling. And we read later on that he had in mind to divorce her, to divorce Mary. Now you might ask, like, wait a second, I thought they were engaged and not married. But in Jewish culture, being engaged essentially made you married. The one thing that they didn't do is they wouldn't participate in sexual intimacy until they got married. But leading up until that day, and their weddings went on for, for days, like for, for three to seven days. Like they knew how to party, they knew how to celebrate, they knew how to honor each other and honor God in those moments. And so Joseph's job as he was engaged to Mary was to do two things, was to prepare a place for her in the home that he lived in with his family. And then he would come and grab her. He would parade back home with her. The language might sound familiar to you if you're a follower of Jesus and been a follower of Jesus for a long time. Because it's the same language that Jesus uses when he talks about preparing a place for us and then coming back and getting us and bringing us to where he's at. That's found in John's letter. Jesus said that. And the picture that Jesus is painting is a picture of him being the groom and us, the church, being the bride. And it was something that in the Jewish culture they practiced all the time. So Joseph would finish the house and he would parade back home to get his fiance and then they would parade back and people would line the streets and they would celebrate and then that day they would get married and they would party for three four five days until everything ran out until everybody was tired and then they would go home and so he was preparing for that and the reason why he wanted to divorce her was that he wanted to get out of this relationship because she had shared with him that in his mind she violated the relationship because we read that before they came together he Joseph found out that she was pregnant and he chose to honor her and honor her body and to celebrate her as his wife when he made the decision that day to call her his wife and yet he felt like she didn't do the same thing but then you also know that he was conflicted but also an honorable man because we read that he did not want to expose her to public disgrace so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Like, I'm going to end this quietly. I'm not going to put her on blast. I'm not going to let everybody know what happened. I'm just going to walk away quietly and walk away slowly. He probably thought this was the best decision. He probably felt like this was the best choice. What about you in those moments when you're struggling with what to do? What do you do when you're trying to make the best decision? I know for me, I don't want to rush. I don't want to move quickly through the decision-making process. I want to make sure that I've thought about all of the odds and ends. I want to make sure that we've thought about every detail. At Active, our organization, we are people that will hire slowly simply because we want to make sure that when we're bringing people onto our team, that it is something that 
is healthy and holy for our church and healthy and holy for our team because this isn't just a job. When you come here and are a part of our team, this becomes your community, this becomes your family. It's not just something that you can show up to and then shut off when you go home. We fall in love with each other and we're serving God together. And so I don't wanna rush through important decisions. I I don't wanna fear the important decision. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that none of us wanna make decisions because we're scared or make decisions based off of fear. I don't think we, any of us want that because I don't think it ever leads to anything really good. And I don't want to avoid or put it off. I don't want the decision to be made for me. I want to make the decision for us. Are you with me? When it comes to a really important decision, making the best decisions, I don't want to do those things. And so what should we do? What should you do and what should I do when we're trying to make the best decisions? Look at what Matthew says Joseph did. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, we read this. But after he had considered this, hang on to the word consider for just a moment. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Two things that I want you to notice in this story. The first thing that I want you to notice is that Joseph did the hard thing. He chose to pause. And we know that he chose to pause because Matthew tells us that he considered what we just talked about, but he didn't decide. There was no decision made. He just considered it. He didn't act immediately. And we know that he didn't act immediately because Matthew then tells us that An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So we know that not only did Joseph pause, but Joseph took a nap. Must have been a Sunday afternoon, right? Because he was tired. And I think for a lot of us, maybe when it comes to some big decisions, we may need to just rest for a moment. The second thing that I want you to see in this story is that Joseph, when he paused, It gave him space to not just consider the option that he created, but to consider all options in front of him. Should I stay with Mary? Should I not stay with Mary? What does this look like for me? What does it look like for her? And I love that he's considering her and not just washing his hands of her. You can see that there's a deep care, a deep love, and that he's an honorable guy. So he pauses so that he can consider all options in front of him. And when you're not sure of what to do, could I invite you to do the same thing? Practice the pause. Especially in those moments that you know aren't just going to affect you, but are going to affect those around you. Practice the pause, because it, it may give you a perspective that you haven't considered. It may give you a perspective that you haven't thought about. It may cause you to actually listen. Listen to those around you, but ultimately listen to the God who loves you. Practicing the pause allows you, gives you time to seek wisdom from someone who has been there and who has done that, who has lived it and has things to share about it. And and here's, here's my encouragement to you. When you're asking someone for wisdom, 
Don't ask for wisdom from someone who has just been through it. We often think that experience immediately means wisdom. It doesn't. Evaluated experience means wisdom. Because you've been through something hard and heavy doesn't mean that you have the right to speak to it. You can speak to it if you want. But it doesn't mean that you have anything good to say about it. But those of us that pause and evaluate what we've been through and take what we did that we messed up and then take the thing that we need to learn to grow from, those are the people that we should be talking to. Those are the people that have wisdom for us. So when you're stuck, ask this question. Who can help me get unstuck? This is why relationships matter. And why when you and I assume that we're just, oh, I'm just following Jesus and it's just me and God and I love me and God and it's gonna be me and God and I'm gonna be with me and God and maybe I'll show up to church and maybe I'll be a part of Rooted and maybe I'll be a part of a serve team and maybe I'll be a part of this and maybe, but it's just, it's just me and God. Listen, you were never created to live just me and God. You were created to live me and God and through the expression of the church, through the expression of community. Do you know how you honor God and love God and serve God by honoring and loving and serving those people around you? That's how this relationship with God works. It's why many of us show up here as one expression of that. It's why I show up here as one expression of that. And this is so important for us in those moments when we're not sure what to do and we need wisdom. Solomon, who wrote the document of Proverbs in the scriptures, one of the wisest men to ever live, says this is the best way to make decisions. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 16, 16. He says, how much better to get wisdom than gold than to get insight rather than silver? In other words, you could have everything that you could ever want in your hands, everything that you could ever want in your wallet, in your bank account, in your driveway. You could have the home, the car, the job. You could have everything that you could ever want and still be a fool and still not be wise and still not know what to do. Stuff, stuff doesn't change your life. Your Savior does. And seeking wisdom from those around you that your Savior, that your Lord has placed in your life is one of the best ways to live. Pausing brings clarity. And I know we all want clarity. And you know when we want clarity? Because I want clarity this way too. I want clarity on everything. So God, tell me what the next 40 to 50 years look like for me. That'd be awesome. Thank you. But what I'm learning and maybe what you're learning is that Clarity isn't always everything. Clarity is always the next right thing. And sometimes we gotta take the next right step. The one that honors God, the one that honors the people around us. This is why knowing the scriptures is so important because then you can know the wisdom of God and the heartbeat of God. And here's what's really beautiful about this. When, when you seek clarity, when you seek wisdom, when you practice the pause, it helps give good answers to this question. What were you thinking? You ever been asked that? What were you thinking? Well, now you have an answer. Here's what I was thinking. Because I spoke to them, I prayed about this, I processed that, I, I looked for wisdom here. And, and the truth is, is that you may not get answer, asked this question and may not have to answer this question if you practice the pause and gain clarity and get wisdom. Because people aren't going to say, what were you thinking? Because you made a really solid, character-driven, full of integrity, wise decision. 
Now, here's, here's the layers to this. Joseph not only practiced the pause, but to take it even further, Joseph is struggling between what he's feeling and what God is feeling, what he wants to do and what God has invited him to do. And so Joseph pauses because ultimately he wants to hear from his heavenly father. And this pause gave him space to hear from God. Now here's what's really, I love the humanity of the scriptures and that humans wrote this inspired by God. And I love that these are real people who lived in real time and are real humans like you and I, because there's real stories behind it. Here's one. Joseph practiced the pause so that he could hear from God. Then later on, James, the brother of Jesus, the son of Joseph, who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until he saw him resurrected from the grave. And then he went, oh, okay, you were right. James writes these words in his letter, James chapter one, verse five. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. There's no blame. There's no shame. There's no, how come you don't know about this already? You've been following me for so long. He gives wisdom without finding fault and it will be given to you. I wonder where James learned this from. Maybe James heard the story of how his mom and dad came together, sitting around the table one Christmas. Dad, tell the story about how you were going to divorce mom. Tell that story again. Tell the story about how you found out that Jesus was going to be born of the Holy Spirit and you didn't believe it. Tell that story again. And maybe it started as a funny story. Maybe it started as a joyful story. But then I think it got really serious when he talked about that moment where he paused and he could hear from Almighty God. And James went, that's really good. Maybe I should write it down. Maybe I should share that with the people that I know and the people that I love. What will you do when you don't know what to do? Will you pause? Will you pray? Will you seek wisdom from Almighty God? Will you seek wisdom from the people that God loves, the people that God has changed, the people that God has transformed? Will you do what Joseph did? Maybe you're wondering, will it help? Well, if you don't know the rest of the story of Joseph, let me share with you how it helped him. In verse 24 of Matthew chapter one, we read this. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Because what followed his pause was a decision. A decision of trust, a decision of obedience, a decision of peace. And, and that's really important for us because peace is a choice. It doesn't just happen. We, we get to choose it because peace isn't an idea. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. And we get to choose that. Now, now you hear that, I hear that, but here's what I love about the scriptures and, and in particular what I love about a guy named Paul who wrote most of our New Testament is he would always take these great ideas and these great perspectives and then he would drop them into real life so that you and I would know how to live it in real life. 
And so Paul writes a letter to Christians like you and I in a city called Philippi. It's the letter of Philippians in the scriptures. And he walks us through how we can choose peace. He says this in Philippians chapter four, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I love that he knows that we know that these are hard decisions and that we're feeling a bit anxious and a bit worried about it. And so the first thing he says is, Listen, I know you're anxious. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to allow that worry to get in the way because you have a heavenly father that is for you and not against you and he's listening to you. And let me remind you that in every situation, you can bend the knee to almighty God and you can talk to him through prayer. And not only can you talk to him through prayer, but you can petition almighty God. Well, how do we petition God? Like how do we make requests to God? With thanksgiving, with gratitude, knowing that he is a good God, a good heavenly father and wants to be good to you. Dads, you might know this more than anybody else, that as a dad, you wanna be good to your kids and you wanna take care of your kids. My wife says that I'm a sucker when it comes to our kids and I will be the first to admit, I am a sucker when it comes to my kids. I wanna be so good to them and love them so well and I've learned that from my heavenly father and I don't always do it right, but he always is good. And what Paul is saying is that don't be anxious. You don't have to allow your anxiety and your worry to get in the way of your requests of God, but bend the knee and pray and talk with him and petition him, have a conversation with him, seek him and he will give you the desires of your heart. Present those requests to God, turn your attention to your heavenly father. And, and then he goes on, he says, and when you do this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What Paul is teaching us about peace is really important, that peace is a choice that requires your focus and your effort. Peace is a choice that requires your focus and your effort, and you get to choose, and you get to put your perspective and your priorities and your focus and your effort wherever you want. God has given you that freedom. And yet Almighty God invites you to, to lay it here, to bring it here, to talk to him. That's why the pause is so important because it allows us to not only hear the wisdom around us, but it allows us to hear the good godly wisdom from our heavenly father. That's why Paul ends with this. He says in verse eight, finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That is so important for you and I when we're practicing the pause and we're seeking clarity because you gotta see the good in order to do good. And often we don't give ourselves enough time to see what is actually good and what is actually godly. We just rush through the decision. We just make the decision. We just move past it, especially in those moments where we don't know what to do. And then we're afraid and we're anxious about it. And what Paul says is that you can see what's good and seek what's good and then do what's good because you can hear what's good and learn what's good from Almighty God. This is, this is so beautiful and so practical and it's so important. Because your life is moving in the direction of your most recent decision. So why not pause? And why not gain clarity? So that you can move in a direction that honors God and honors the people around you. Why not ask and seek and knock? Why not decide when you get the wisdom from God? Why not decide to do what God has invited you to do?
It's how you find peace and how you live with peace. Another question for you. Something for you to consider. What decision are you about to make? And does that decision honor God? Does it honor the people around you? Does it honor you? Does it honor God with your body? Does it honor God with your mind? Does it honor God with your heart? Does it honor God with your soul? And if you don't know, would you pause? Would you practice the pause and consider the wisdom of God and consider the wisdom of the people around you? Would you ask? Would you seek? And would you knock? By the way, the pause doesn't have to last for a really long time. I think often when we think about the pause, we're like, wait a second, so should I pause before I put my peanut butter on the bread or if I wanted to put Nutella on the bread? Like, what, should, I, should I pause over those things, right? Like, y- you know the answer to that, I hope. <laughs> but ultimately, when it comes to those big decisions where we don't know what to do, it doesn't need to be a pause forever. It's just for a moment. It's a quick text message. It's a quick phone call. It's a quick moment where you bend the knee to Almighty God. God, would you give us wisdom to know what to do? And would you give us the courage to do it? 49 friends last week chose courage. And you know how they chose courage? Because one of you decided to invite them to come and sit with you. And maybe you've been praying that God would do a good work in their hearts and that was the culmination of that good work. So would you practice the pause? So that you can gain clarity? So that when you make a decision, you're not in a place where someone says, what were you thinking? Or five years down the line, you're not at a place where you're like, how did I, how did I get here? Two things. And then I want to pray some words over you. I, I think it's really important for us to not just talk about this, but to put it into practice. And so I would love for you to know the good that's in front of you instead of just hearing me tell you about how good it is. And so this week, would you join me in memorizing the words that James wrote in James chapter one, verse five? That you and I, every day, let's wake up or every day when, before we go to bed, we would, we would say this out loud, maybe with your husband, with your wife, with your significant other, with your kids, maybe before you eat dinner. Like th- this could be the thing that you get into your heart and into your soul. So that not only are you making those decisions, but if you're a parent and you still have kids that are at home, don't you want them to make wise decisions as well? And so maybe this week you and I can memorize these words. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Man, I just don't know what to do. Okay, I lack wisdom. So God, would you give me wisdom? You promised that you would. And maybe for some of you, you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to ask God. I, I don't know what to say to God. Could I just give you some, some helpful words that you could pray this week so you memorize the, the words that James wrote? And then could I give you some words to pray after that? These words are simple. God, I need some help. Would you bring it? I need some wisdom. Would you give it? I need some courage. Would you provide it? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you, if you're able, would you, would you stand to your feet? I would love for us to pray these words out loud together.
I'm going to count to three and then we can read them together. Ready? One, two, three. God, I need some help. Would you bring it? I need some wisdom. Would you give it? I need some courage. Would you provide it? In Jesus' name, amen. That's simple. We like to make God so complex and so mysterious. <laughs> and Jesus shows up and goes, it's not complex or mysterious at all. I'm here for you. And I'm here to change and transform and forgive and set free. I'm here to give wisdom so that you can do life alongside me and alongside those that you love. So what decision are you about to make? And does it honor God and does it honor you and does it honor the people around you? And if you're not sure, would you practice the pause? And would you seek clarity, gain wisdom? I wanna pray some words over you, but I wanna pray the words that we're gonna be praying this week. So if you would join me, I'm gonna pray these words over you. God, we need some help. Would you bring it? God, we need some wisdom. Would you give it? God, we need some courage. Would you provide it? We're believing the words that James wrote, that when we lack wisdom, we can ask God and you give generously to everyone. No blame, no shame, no fault. You give wisdom when we ask and your promise is that it will be given to us. So God, we need some help. Would you bring it? We need some wisdom. Would you give it? We need some courage. Would you provide it? In Jesus' name. And together we say amen and amen.